0: hello welcome to the call Uh, as we kick off the afternoon here on osbiz your only live streaming and markets channel it's great to have your company of course the call is where we analyze 10 stocks suggested by you all in 60 minutes and we put them to two experts on our panel that we have here each and every day. Absolutely delighted to have Julia Lee from Berman Invest with us. Uh, Julia, good to see you again.
1: Great to be here. How's,
0: how's the market going for you at the oh, moment?
1: The market's been fantastic. So we just got our one month figures from the 15th of November, 15th of October, and we right. were up. More than 12%. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Congratulations.
0: Fabulous. Uh, Who have been the star performance for you?
1: Uh, Well, today we own Blue Scope Steel as well as ALS and they're both up more than 5%. But Linus has been doing well, Flight Centre, we've been on that COVID-19 reopening trade, which has been doing well. And the energy space we positioned early and it started to move. Oh,
0: Are you in um, oil search?
1: Not in oil yeah, search, yeah, because they've got
0: their investor update today, don't they? That have been, we've been covering here on Ausbys, which is a bit interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, oil search has been doing well, but we're in on Wally Parsons, which has oh, been doing okay. very well in All that right. oil and gas space and a little bit lower risk because it's got that chemicals division, Jacobs through right. through that acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. Uh, also joining us on our expert uh, panel today, Owen Raskovic from uh, Rask Australia, Owen. Welcome to the call, great to have you aboard from Melbourne.
2: Thanks, Koshi, uh, it's great to be on, first time on the show, yeah. so I hope I can add plenty of value to you guys. Yeah, and, oh, and,
0: I'm sure you can. You're a um, uh, you're a, um, a good friend of Claude Walker from a Rich Life, any, any friend of Claude's is a friend of ours, so great to have you aboard. Tell us about Rask.
2: Yeah, sure, I'm also a friend of Andrew who you just had on the show, so. Um, oh, Andrew, of, that's right, because,
0: Both of you worked at Motley Fool, didn't you, at one stage?
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we both, all three of us hail from the, from the same uh, Motley Fool. So yeah. um, RAS RAS is uh, the business that I set up about three years ago. We have a dual purpose, you could say, which is to educate people to sort of help them invest better, but also to give them investment research and and generally financial product research. So we do that through online courses and and membership um, subscriptions.
0: Oh, Okay, terrific. Well, really great to have you aboard and um, look forward to your analysis of uh, some of the stocks that have been put up for us today. But before we get into the 10 stocks you've suggested, I always choose a stock of the day that's in the news. And of course, Crown Casino has been in the news, not only today, but for a while. Um, but most lately, um, its uh, gaming license has been suspended by the New South Wales gaming regulator. The body made the unscheduled move following reports of new evidence of suspected money laundering late on Tuesday. Despite the move, Crown says it will still attempt to open its $1.6 billion uh, resort uh, right next to us here at Barangaroo. Um, next month, but without any gaming elements. So it will be all the entertainment elements and, uh, and restaurants in there. It's a really impressive building. Actually, we've been watching it grow here um, at Barangaroo here at the Ausbiz Studios. Um, Julia, um, what do you think of Crown and this latest announcement?
1: Well, Crown's really been part of that reopening uh, trades together with Star, but look, the risks there now are building. We've seen that license being put on hold and the New South Wales regulator considering uh, revoking the license completely. So we'll have to wait till February to see. So in this type of scenario, it's really a binary outcome, all or nothing as yeah. an investor. So if you're investing into Crown now, you're really betting that Sydney is going to open and that license is going to be okay. Otherwise, you'd prefer exposure to uh, the gaming space through something like Star, which doesn't have that risk, but the upside yeah. from the COVID-19 reopenings. But in that gaming space, I prefer aristocrat leisure. I think wow. it's done quite well out of COVID-19. It's been quite resilient. So it's,
0: it's the pocket machine manufacturer yes. who puts the machines in the casinos so so it's a a supply to it
1: there's a few levers there there's the whole reopening of las vegas macau um, and i guess travel reopening as well and then also you've got the digital gaming side which is an area that's booming and will continue to boom for a number of years
0: yeah and i suppose when you a company like crown um when there's that hanging over it when you've got alternatives in sectors that look okay it's often worth just avoiding the risk for a while, isn't it? You don't yeah. need that extra filter, extra layer.
1: Of yeah, I often think that in investing, you can't control the returns, but you can control the risks. So yeah. when I'm looking at investments, I look at the potential risk side. And if I think that the probability is relatively high that yeah. the company will do well, then I'm willing to take that risk, but otherwise I'm not. So it depends on how risk averse yeah. you are. Yeah. It is high yeah. risk, high return here yeah. if they get it through, but it is a binary outcome, yes or no. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, Owen, what do you think of Crown? Of course, um, while everyone's focusing on the license of Brangaroo, that's not the only thing it has, of course. Huge in Melbourne with Crown there. Um, what do you think of the company at the moment?
2: Yeah, well, I've got to be honest, Koshy. I don't follow the, the space too closely given that um, we try to avoid gaining stocks altogether. Um, one of the things that I would point out, one of the alternatives that I would point out to Crown is a company called Jumbo Interactive which is a business that creates software, which is right within what we would say is the circle of competence. But in terms of Crown, um, you know, we saw the announcement that they're uh, they're reopening here in Melbourne to a limited capacity, which is obviously a good step because I believe over half of the the EBITDA or Earnings Before Interest Tax Depreciation and amortisation comes from that asset. So obviously, um, Varangaroo's a real uncertainty. Um, to Julia's point, it, that, is a, that is a binary outcome. You know, I don't know what's going on in that inquiry. I don't know what's, what the outcome is going to be with any certainty. But if you're looking at this from an investor's perspective, you could think probabilistically and you could say, well, maybe the Melbourne assets, maybe that smaller um, online business the Crown has actually supports a valuation at a certain level. Um, current analyst estimates and current valuations on the on the company are around about $10 per share. So maybe a mild undervaluation. But for me, it's, it's one of those things where we probably don't need to go near it. To your point, Koshi, we probably don't need to go near it, especially when there are other alternatives in the sector if we were inclined to do so.
0: Yeah, okay, all right. So uh, a good analysis there on Crown, and I don't think it's gonna go out of the headlines anytime soon, so mm. we'll keep a watch on it. Uh, Owen uh, Craig, one of our viewers, wants a view on Viva Energy, the, uh, the big fuel, petrol and specialty products retailer uh, also owns the uh, the refinery in Geelong. Now, I think Viva are all the shell stores uh, all mm-hmm. the, the shell service stations and convenience stores attached to them, aren't they?
2: Yeah, that's right. So they obviously have the refining arm, but then they supply um, all types of petroleum products through shell stores and service stations, but also to wholesalers and the like. So this is an interesting business um, for many reasons, because I guess from the top down perspective, we're looking at this, if you're an analyst or investor, you're thinking, okay, there, there aren't too many refineries left in Australia now that BP is choosing to close its plant. So, um, you know, this is a really important asset from a national interest perspective. And so, you know, that's a concerning aspect just from a, a kind of geopolitical standpoint. But then this, this asset in Geelong, which is um, just outside of Melbourne here. Um, it's actually integral to that local economy. And so governments, um, from a national interest perspective, but also state governments are trying to work with uh, refineries to make sure that there is adequate supply. From an investment perspective, this is not the type of business that we ordinarily look for because it is capital intensive, margins have come down, there's a lot of supply coming on board from Asia. So it's one of those businesses which I probably don't need to go near again, Um, I'm not saying it's a bad business, this is a business which is obviously really important. Um, There are some things coming down the pike such as government stimulus that might be able to help um, the business get those margins back up and and get the plant firing once that maintenance has been completed. Okay, Uh, Julia, what do you think of Eva?
1: I like this one here. Um, Uh, I guess if you have a look at Viva Energy, there's three moving parts. You've got the retail where it's got the shell networks, I think 1,250 and it's the fastest growing retail network in this space and then you have the commercial side of things now this includes aviation um, which of course uh, has been impacted but as you see reopening, you'll see some sort of reopening trade helping the retail as well as the commercial side of the business and the third part is the refining arm now refining margins have been low but they are improving and the outlook is actually looking good here and on top of that we've seen the government announcing 60 million dollars for every refiner so that's a positive Mm. for Viva. I guess when you're looking at Viva you're always comparing it against Ampol which is the other um, one on the market and the difference is that Ampol has more property assets. Viva you've got the Viva Energy REIT which holds the property assets so here Ah, you're just really looking at the retail commercial as well as the refining section but at this point in time where we are in terms of reopening. Opening, where we are in terms of oil prices and the outlook for the um, the refining margin, I think it's looking good.
0: Okay, at a dollar ninety-five. Yes, I looking think good. Here. Okay, so um, um, because Ampol was the old old Caltex as well. Old Caltex. So yes. when you when you look at Ampol, because it does have the property. If you go Viva v Ampol, what's, what's your preference? I like
1: Viva because it's right. got more leverage. Ampol, ah. because of the property assets, is probably more stable and defensive. But yeah. Viva, when you're starting to see uh, the economy taking that kick up in terms of uh, growth, then ah. you've got that extra leverage in okay. there.
0: Okay, Interesting. All right, uh, so thank you for that suggestion, Craig. Now, Julia, Debbie wants a view on clean CleanAway. Uh, Australia's biggest waste management company employs over 6,000 people, would you believe? Um, operations uh, both in solid and liquid waste as well. Um, mainly, mainly commercial um, waste management, isn't it? Sort of all uh, businesses, restaurants, clubs, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess CleanAway has been in the news because of its overly assertive CEO, which yes. hasn't done it any had favours. the management... Yeah, so I guess the question is whether this is noise or whether this does impact um, their underlying business. And in my mind, I guess it impacts if it was to impact on new contracts, people signing on. Um, especially those government contracts. So there's a little bit of risky. At this price, I'd probably say neutral. It's quite defensive cash flow, which was great during um, COVID-19. And you can see that uplift that we saw during Mm. April, May and June because of the defensive nature of its business um, while the market was in turmoil and the economy is in turmoil turmoil. But as we refocus on reopening and growth, I guess defensive becomes less attractive. So look, I think a good business, they've really been focusing in on cost outs, so taking away costs from the business, which is great to see. And I think it'll be one of those businesses steady as she goes. The only thing is that when the market's rising so strongly and it's up about 10% in November so far, that you do see some of these defensive stocks Underperforming. So a positive performance, but still underperforming the market.
2: Okay. Owen, what do you think of CleanerWay? Uh, I think it's a, a business that's really important to our infrastructure. And so, you know, it's when we think about competitive advantages, obviously the ability to earn above average uh, returns on capital. Um, what we're looking for in a business like this is effectively economies of scale. So, what I mean by that is, you know, as a very large or largest you know, waste management business, What's the chance that a competitor comes into this space and can muscle in on those margins? I think that's very low. So I think, as, as Julia said, you know, it's steady as she goes. Um, one of the things that I would say for people that are concerned about this type of behavior with management, or even just in culture in general, is you can use free tools to try and identify these things before they happen. So a really good uh, tool that you can use for free here in Australia is to use a website like Seek, uh, the employment website, it, oft- it often has cultural culture reviews on the website and you can find the company and I've got it here in front of me and I can see that, you know, this this is a company that's given a 2.6 out of 5, so 2.6 stars for working environment. Only 41% would recommend working at this business to a friend. And one of the things that we're looking for when we're invest- investing five to 10 years out into the future is we're looking for businesses that can attract and retain really good and talented people. Because those people, that's where the IP starts, right? That's where you know yep. businesses come up with strategy, and it's where they make sound decisions. So this is this is this business, it's probably a no for me, even though you know maybe dividend potential, I probably choose to get my, my dividend kicks elsewhere.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Um, Owen Matthew, uh, one of our viewers, wants a view on Polynovo. This is sort of you could call it a med tech company, couldn't you? Um, they produce a, co- um, um, a product called NovaSorb, which helps um, surgeons uh, treat and heal traumatic wounds. Uh, has, has had a bit of a kick up in the last week to ten days because uh, it's had FDA approval to uh, to start doing some uh, clinical studies on this as a surgical product, um, which
2: is pretty unusual, apparently. Um, what do you think of Polynova? I think this is a business, Koshi, that um, it's, a, it's a fantastic business. It's one of the ASX's probably best healthcare or biotech businesses. Um, the thing is, it comes with the price tag, right? So people yeah. know the potential of this business. And um, this is a business, I, I was at a, um, a hospital investment club. So the, the emergency department have, had an investment club. And I went along and I heard from the nurses and doctors and, that talk about this product. And they say how fantastic it is, because it's effectively, just think of a sheet. It looks like a sheet of paper and you can apply that to someone who has issues with skin, you know, maybe it's severe burns or something like that. Um, it's often likened to uh, Avita, who sells the resale uh, product, which is kind of like a spray that goes on over the top. Yep. This is a deeper layer of tissue and this is a really good business. The key to Polynovo in my mind is how well does it sell through surgeons? Because this is often recommended um, currently in the US, for example, the product can be sold. Um, Bi-surgeon doesn't need that FDA approval if it's, you know, off, off license or off reservation, so to speak. It can be sold. Um, but the, the key with this is how well can it execute? I really like the business. I really do. Um, and I'll be watching over the next six to 12 months to see how that sales traction kicks off, particularly in light of COVID.
0: Okay. So would you be a buyer at this price or wait to see the traction it gets in America after this sort of FDA um,
2: tick for clinical trials? I would, I would likely... If I was really interested, which I kind of am, I would probably take a very small position now. So you could say that's a yes, I guess.
0: Yep. Okay, and aggregate from there. Juliet, what do you think?
1: Yes, I like this one. I mean, initially it was used in the area of burns. So yep. if you think about a burn, you can think of it like a Band-Aid. If you have to take a Band-Aid off, it hurts you, but this is reabsorbed. So um, the the real bigger market for uh, Polynovo is outside of burns, going into wounds and trauma and surgery. So if they can expand mm. their market, their right. product into this market, then this is a huge positive. Today we heard they're expanding into Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Luxembourg as well as Sweden so if you think about its journey it's still at the start of its journey in a rather large market and that's why multiples are still relatively high because it's an immature business and if it can expand not only into new markets but into new product Uh, new areas to use its product then that's a positive it's doing R&D into hernia as well to use its product in terms of hernia and I guess differentiating uh, this company versus biotechs which look at drugs this is considered a device which is much easier to get through the FDA so when you're looking Ah. at clinical trials and things a different kettle of fish you're not looking at the stringent requirements for a drug you're looking at something for a medical device which is a lot easier to get through so look um, Probably higher risk, but I do like this one here.
0: And I suppose the thing with anything medical is to get it into hospitals, isn't it? And get it into countries. So to get, because doctors are pretty hard to change, aren't they? Their opinions on on new products. As you say, new drugs is hard enough. But maybe something like this, which is almost like a a wound treatment, a bandage, isn't it? Could be Mm. easier
1: absolutely i mean you have this company that has worked on something for so long and is yeah. really good at the R and D, the research and development side and then it comes to distribution you need a sales force you need to have a team out yeah. there and you need a whole system so often companies partner up with other companies that are already all across the globe but polynova reminds me of a, a i guess a smaller earlier medical devices MVP where it's at the earliest start of its journey and MVP is the green whistle um, which is now distributed all throughout the world Um, but yeah Polynova I like the product I like the potential of the product and the
0: technology is defensible there's a moat around it is it unique
1: It is unique. In the area of hernia where it's trying to get into, it it is relatively competitive, so competition is an issue, but it's one that I'd be willing to put a little bit of money in, higher risk, but at an an immature stage of its journey into the world, so that's pretty exciting.
0: So like Owen put a bit of a a toe in the water, you can always build on it from here. Okay. All right. Uh, Graham wants a view... uh, Julia on Digital Digital X. This is a company involved in blockchain and cryptocurrency, as well, uh, building the technology. It's it's the company that's doing it for the ASX, isn't it? For its technology uh, or involved in that? It's I think on some in solutions.
1: Um, I, I think it, it does consulting services. Right. There's um, a, an. Which the way
0: ASX's technology has gone this week probably needs a few consultants. I think
1: they also do cryptocurrency funds. So looking at like fund services for cryptocurrencies, which is a new growing area. Look, they've had a really, uh, I guess, a checkered past. But I guess if you wanted to be in on a company like this, the time to do it when was when cryptocurrency (laughs) prices were soaring which is it which it is so look that that jump up in the price i don't think is much to do with what's happening in the underlying company more uh, than it is to do with what's happening in the cryptocurrency space right which is um you know cryptocurrencies are going up very strongly and probably will continue to go up strongly over the next 12 to 18 months so um as we see more people becoming interested so it's right. more of a demand story where we are seeing greater demand coming into this story and that's helping digital x okay
0: would you be a buyer of it
1: uh really quite speculative um but and it,
0: and it looks a bit of liquid from that 12 month graph would yeah sort of of probably price quite
1: on. a liquid as well i mean um, they used to also be involved in that coincast show which was on um, on Sky Business, All oh, right. Um, okay. but that that wasn't, um, I guess that wasn't renewed. So um, look, they've had a few stops and starts, but with cryptocurrency going the way it is, you'll probably see some money <laughs> coming in yeah, well, into this one. I'm, huge... I'm so,
0: psychologically <laughs> scarred against cryptos because of all the scammers that use my image to sell Bitcoin, oh. which uh, they're like cockroaches. I report them to Facebook and the A Triple C and they do their best to close them down, and then they pop up on a different server. Gosh, or something I just like that. thought
1: you had this massive portfolio.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. So I put out all these warnings. Number of people that have been sucked in. I don't promote or support cryptocurrency for the ten thousandth time. But I suppose if there is one silver lining, anyone who did get sucked in. Um, (laughs) has done pretty well um, because Bitcoin has gone through the roof in the last six months. Look, too Uh, speculative uh, for me, but I think
1: cryptocurrencies will do
0: well. I I always go back to the old Warren Buffett principles of investing. Uh, Do you know what the investment is and how it works? I have no idea how cryptocurrencies work. Uh, Do you know the people behind them? Well, no, because they're all uh, anonymous. And number three are they regulated by anyone and no they're not and is the market regulated no it's not so sort of just on those things i i I avoid it but uh owen
2: what do you think of uh, digital x Uh, well much the same i guess i share sentiments but if i could maybe have some counterpoints to why people would find this interesting is that blockchain the technology itself should be differentiated from crypto or the crypto totally assets agree yeah and because totally that agree. has I believe that that has profound um, implications for financial services sectors um, for yep. many different sectors like logistics and um, I think what's really interesting about this business is that it does have that consulting arm and to me although it has the funds management business which you know this is there are quite a few that do this in Australia now and they do it in a way that they try to be regulated insofar as they have independent custodians trustees etc. But this, um, I guess the consulting part of the business can also be thought of in a way as a more of a software development kind of business systems uh, business where, um, you know, companies are turning to these niche players who can supply services on blockchain um, and develop solutions for really complex problems early on. Now, I want to add the caveat here that this business is still very, very early in its journey. And in my mind... Um, without sounding too critical, it's probably more of a startup than an ASX listed business because of that. And um, I think, you know, it's a really interesting one to watch, but too speculative for me.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the other end of the scale from um, uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies to the good old Bank of Queensland, uh, mm. one of, the, uh, one of the, the biggest of the regional banks. Um,
2: how's Bank of Queensland going in your view? I think it's been a tough couple of years for all banks, you know, uh, Royal Commission, um, you know, in parts of the the country, we had bushfires, which obviously had implications for employment, for asset values. Um, Now we've dealt with a pandemic. So it hasn't been easy for any bank. I will add that. Um, Interestingly enough, if we could draw a a parallel between the two companies um, in question here is that, uh, you know, they're they're focusing more on a digital solution. Um, I like the business that because it has a kind of an owner manager. Uh, network, which is kind of unique in, in, the, in, this, in the system. Um, the business, based on recent results, the business has been tracking pretty well, if I'm honest. Um, I'm normally pretty skeptical of regional banks just because they are effectively, you know, the, the other half of the banking system, which probably don't enjoy the, the wide competitive advantages or moats that the, the big banks do. Um, I think the business, you know, had to cut the dividend analysts are predicting a very sharp snapback over the next two years. I would be more inclined to believe those estimates maybe two or three years out rather than the next one to two years because there's still a bit of, um, I guess, margin compression to wash through the system. One of the things that you we, we, we know happens is that when interest rates fall, it can be very difficult for banks to widen that net interest margin. So uh, post Royal Commission, some of the banks have um, divested their non-interest income, which is the bits, you know, like fees for advice and all that type of thing. Um, so that's gone away and it's just left with pure, simpler banking But at the same time, interest rates have come down and squeezed those margins. Um, You know, RBA is targeting certain uh, thresholds for yields three years out. Again, that might provide some certainty to the market, but it does place the business in a pretty difficult position. There will come a time to buy businesses like Bank of Queensland, um, but with the yield so low, I've got to step back and ask myself, why am I buying this business? And if it's for yield in the next one to three years, it's probably not the place where I want to have my money. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'd go with a diversified a fund or something like that. Okay. Julian, Bank of Queensland?
1: Um, I guess if you have a look at the banking space, you're usually comparing the big four banks to the regional banks to Macquarie Group. Yep. Um, and out of that, i probably prefer Macquarie Group. But if you were comparing Bank of Queensland to the big four, Bank of Queensland looks pretty good. Um, They've got higher margins at the moment, a strong capital position. They've said that for the current Mm -hmm. financial year, they're expecting above system growth, which is what you want to see. You want to see a bank growing above what the rest of the banks are growing at. So look, Bank of Queensland's looking pretty good here. And look, Anna... Uh, If you have a look at the property market as well, Bank of Queensland is heavily skewed towards Queensland. Actually, Queensland property is doing pretty well because of the lockdown, just seeing a lot of migration uh, from the south to the north to the warmer weather. So look, the property market there has been holding up very well and has been relatively strong compared to the rest of uh, Australia during um, 2020. So it's not too bad here. It's looking good. I think the share price has a bit to go here and a bit of strength and you've seen that rise up after their update in October and right. I think they'll continue to do well.
0: So better than the big four banks?
1: Yeah, banking space is my favourite sector of the market. It, it is or not? It's not. not right. um, we have Macquarie. I prefer Macquarie. But look, the big four banks are versus Bank of Queensland, Bank of Queensland looking good here.
0: Right. But you prefer Macquarie to, to Bank of Queensland. Yes. Okay. All right. So. What do I put that down as? Uh, a hold if you're in it. Neutral sounds uh, good. And then then Macquarie is your preferred one in the space. All right, let's uh, check the first five stocks that we've uh, gone through, plus our stock of the day. Um, stock of the day was Crown, Resorts, um, a no from both Julia and Owen. Uh, Owen would, would prefer Jumbo Interactive, and uh, Julia would prefer... Um, aristocrat in that space if you're wanting to get in there Beaver uh, Energy, a no from Owen a yes from uh, from Julia Clean Away, a no from both both like Polynovo um, and um, the product that it's got the, the wound bandage um, if you like and it's starting to make some good growth but higher risk uh, Digital X, a no and uh, Bank of Queensland a no from Owen and um, if you're in it you know, good investment um, from Julia, but she prefers in the banking space, Macquarie Group, to anything else there, and it's and the sector's not one of her favourites. Now, here on the call, we are tracking our own portfolio since the 1st of July. Any stock that gets two thumbs up from both our experts go into the um, into the portfolio. If it comes up again in subsequent. Um, episodes of, of the call and doesn't get that unanimous vote it goes out and uh, Polinovo is in the calls portfolio it's come back in today both Owen and Julia like it so it stays there let's take a look at uh, how the portfolio going in the last week it's up 1% uh, for the month up three and three-quarter percent and since the first of July um, the portfolio is up 21 and a half percent. Some of the stocks that have been added recently, uh, MyDeal, CreditClear, uh, Credit Corp, Ioneer, Ike GPS, Ridley, Deterra, and Clinovel, and some of the stocks that have been taken out that were in the portfolio came up again, and our panels didn't give them a unanimous tick. CSL, because it's share prices at the upper end at the moment, and BHP. If you want to check out what's in the call's portfolio, head to oddsbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And quick programming note, be sure to join us later this afternoon. We're going to uh, be speaking live to Bjorn Jarvis from the ABS uh, for more details on those unemployment figures. That's straight after the call, just after 1pm Eastern Daylight Time. All right, let's get into uh, the second five stocks for the call. Um, And Owen, Kevin wants a view on the Ava Risk Group. They're in risk management services and technology, uh, intrusion solutions, uh, perimeter protection. They've got a a big contract with the Indian Ministry of Defence, which uh, is starting to earn some good revenue for them at the moment. What do you think of Ava Risk?
2: Well, Koshi, I like to think my knowledge of companies on the Australian Stock Exchange is an inch, an inch wide and a mile deep. And um, <laughs> the reason for that is my time is limited and I like to focus on companies that I find really appealing. Um, I don't own ABA and it's not something that we've recommended before, but I've got to say thanks for the nudge, Kevin, because this business, um, having taken a look at it uh, today and yesterday, it's actually a business that ticks a lot of boxes for us. Um, you know, a business that is dealing in a, in a growing industry an industry that is not just cyclically growing, but I believe structurally got growing with the Internet of Things. So effectively what I find really appealing about this business is, you know, it does biometric scanners, it does a lot of the security intrusion prevention on data networks and critical infrastructure. But one of the things that it's doing more of, in my opinion, and I can see this kind of coming through in the results, is it's, it's, it's combining that hardware focus, the ability to, for example, um, you know, monitor um, a, a computer network or monitor a, a critical piece of infrastructure on a mining site and it's combining that with big data and software and selling things in the cloud. And for anyone who's been around technology for more than a few years, um, you will recognise this process is can be very, very appealing for long-term investors because what happens is you go from selling products, which you know are typically sold on short-term contracts or at least lumpy contracts with lower margins, but then you go into these more annuity streams um, where the the margins are wider because it's a software business. And not only that, it becomes very, very sticky once that once that data and information is inside the platform which the company is supplying it's much harder to rip that out of the business and so this business um, has got a bit of optionality baked into it not only you know from the, the cyclical or the structural trend but also from you know maybe a divestment is in, is in the pipeline you know maybe the business is going to come out with more more products they come out with two pretty important products during the year so i think it's about 150 million market cap um, a business that Increased um, revenue considerably, but increased costs um, much less so. So, we saw a big, um, I guess, inflection point in free cash flow over the past 12 months. So, uh, Koshi, this is probably my second favorite uh, company on the show so far. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, Julia. Wow. IB
1: um, this is a company that is growing very quickly so if we have yeah. a look at the last quarter it was a record revenue of 17 million EBITDA of 7 point7 million compare that just to the month of July where revenue was about three million dollars so you can yeah. see that it is growing very strongly they're getting uh, contracts from the Australian Department of Defense the Indian Indian um, Ministry of Defense and so it is a growing area and it's an interesting area as well. Um, so look, it is looking interesting here. I guess the valuation, a uh, market cap of $153 million, you want that growth to continue, but you'd expect um, growth in this area to continue. So as a sector, you'd expect growth to continue. And in particular, you know, they look at the detection um, in the parameter of your, I guess, digital infrastructure to make sure that things are uh, uh, going as they should. So yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting It's had a one great here.
0: run, has it, <laughs> 10 cents to 66. Uh, Owen, would you be buying it at, at 66 cents? Yeah, I would probably buy it yep. in a small part, yep.
1: Yep, Julia? Yeah, I'm a, a fan as long as they keep on growing yep. that revenue and evita in the right direction. Okay,
0: well, it's in McCall's portfolio. So it's come up again, it stays there and let me tell you, it's had a good, <laughs> it's uh, been a good run so far. So uh, there you go, Kevin, uh, you're on a bit of a winner there, according to uh, Owen and Julia. Uh, Julia, uh, Richie now wants uh, a view on Pointera, the geospatial company, 3D geospatial company. Um, only, um, hasn't been listed for, for long, has it?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and, yeah. Um, its um, for the latest uh, earnings report, market was a bit disappointed in it. This uh, share price has been all over the place.
1: I mean, this is uh, the business of data as a service, and data yeah. is a growing area. The only thing that I don't like about this company is the valuation here. So, you know, a three hundred and eleven million dollar market capitalization—that's absolutely huge. So. Just for the valuation part, I feel like it's quite hot at the moment. I'd probably be staying away from this one.
2: Okay, Owen, what do you think of Patera? Uh This is a business which is very close to my heart, Koshi and Julia. Uh, it's uh, a business that many of our members have owned uh, for, for a little while now and um, due to our trading rules i couldn't buy it so personally so i i missed out and then i had to cover it as it went up and up and up and i couldn't buy it again and again and again but point terra is a really interesting business i spoke with the ceo ian olsen not too long ago and um, at the time he was effectively counting on his fingers how many employees he had and so that gives you a sense of how you know big the business was maybe six months ago the business selling data as a service is actually a really interesting thing so imagine you know you want to look at I don't know optus stadium and you want to look at really fine detail and you're a surveyor because you, you really want to get close, but you don't want to go to the site every day to go and remeasure something that you need to construct or plan for. You can do that within the Pointera platform and you can buy a monthly subscription just like any old SaaS company. But what's really powerful about Pointera and what I really like about it, other than being you know, able to handle huge complexity and data sets is actually what comes next. And what comes next for Pointera, in my view is a marketplace. A marketplace where if a surveyor has gone out and spent weeks or months surveying let's say an entire suburb where do they put that data and can they make any more money from it well they can put it on the pointera platform and in a marketplace they could sell that to someone else and obviously pointera who's facilitating this can clip the ticket as it goes through so all it has to do is you know put a margin over the cost for the hosting services in the cloud and it can make that happen and this is a business which despite its small size i think is actually really innovative um, and, you know, to Julia's point, I think this business is just the only criticism I have is the valuation. Um, you know,
1: um, I mean, it's got an annual contract value of under five million US dollars and a market cap of three hundred and eleven million dollars.
0: Right. OK, so revenue of five million, market cap of three hundred.
2: And eleven million. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's in US dollars. So, I mean, you can there's a slight adjustment to be made, but nothing major, nothing substantial. Um, I think the thing with this is that, you know, maybe six months ago, brilliant business, brilliant price. Still a brilliant business, just doesn't have the price. So it might be one that you'd be a bit more patient with. Um, good management, skin in the game, a lot of things that you would like as a long term investor. So if it dropped below, say, 30 cents or got down to that mark, I would start nibbling away at it again.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Um, something that uh, that isn't as volatile, Owen, Peter wants a view on Rural Funds Group, which is Basically, um, um, a REIT isn't it? Um, Investing in real estate. It's a real estate property trust, whole diverse range of agricultural
2: assets. Mm. And this is one of the, you could say, in my opinion, one of the better uh, REITs. If you want exposure to water, water entitlements. If you want exposure to good agricultural property here in Australia, the company um, you said is not too volatile. But last year it was the subject of a short attack, which many people who, you know, who watch the markets would know that that was pretty severe for the company. And this was, dare I say it, when short selling was in vogue. Uh, it's not so much these days, so the impact isn't quite as severe, but a business that is transitioning, a business um, that's moving out of poultry and into um, other areas such as macadamias and trying to position itself so that, you know, if we do go through droughts, severe droughts, um, it isn't, at, its properties aren't as exposed to that. Again, you know, we've had some good rainfall um, how long that lasts I mean it's anyone anyone's guess from a business perspective from a, um, a fundamental perspective the business t- targets around about a four percent distribution y- yield to unit holders which in this environment is actually very tempting um, and I have little reason to suggest that I won't con- continue it's been pretty consistent um, revenue has compounded pretty mm-hmm. nicely um, it's a business that if you are focused on yield I would say it's very tempting um, so I'm I, I, that's not necessarily the way I invest all the time so maybe for me it's a hold, I wouldn't, you know, be surprised to see it enter into some portfolios of investors I respect. It's not really a great answer. I'm kind of fence sitting, but um, oh, a good man. business. But, not, not really my type. But,
0: yeah, but depends on what you're after. So you're saying if you're if you're after a, a yield play, you'd certainly look at this one.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. Julian.
1: Koshi you asked me about this one back in June and I said yes um, yep. and back then it was two dollars it's two dollars sixty now so I disagree that it's just a yield play yep. when you're having a look at a rate there's two components there's a capital component as there's, there's the income component so yes the yield of four point two percent is attractive but then on the capital side you know agricultural land is becoming much more attractive we're seeing a yep. rate it's not like the last few years where there was intense drought so you are so seeing the
0: cycles changing with because egg products or ag investments are cyclical aren't they so they absolutely the are term.
1: cyclical so when you are seeing growth in crops that's great news for a company like rural funds because yeah. the demand for land agricultural land increases they, they they're basically the landlords for a lot of companies listed on the market treasury wine estates select harvest but also they've been quite active with their portfolio mm. as well they've recently sold um an almond uh, orchard uh, morale for I think it was 96 million dollars when the book value was 80 million dollars. Oh. So the fact that they're selling assets above book value is very attractive. That they're they attra- they they're, uh, they're churning their books so they can get other um, investments through the door. And then the last factor I look that, look at when I look at landlords is the average um, term of the contract. Okay. Um, one of the companies that I've liked over and over again is Chatterhall Wales because yes. of the 14 and a half percent. Uh, Wales. Um, this one has 11 and a half years as well. So right. look, um, when you're looking at a landlord and you're looking for stable income, having a look at the, the term of those leases is pretty important as mm-hmm. well. And 11 and a half years is a long time. Yeah,
0: too, right. Okay, I like it. So do you still like it?
1: I still You've like it. You've ridden it
0: up from 2 to $2.60 and at 2 dollars still worthwhile. Yeah,
1: I, I think that agriculture is going to continue to do well. Yeah. we had drought for so long. We're yeah. coming out of drought. This is a multi-year cycle. That we're yeah, looking at. With
0: a with a four percent yield. Um, like there are people I was having this discussion with my 86-year-old mother on, on the weekend who said, Can you get me anything other than a term deposit at the
2: moment? She's been <laughs> in turn
0: deposit for years, and even she's getting annoyed with term deposits. And my brother, who's sort of in the investment markets, he's having a look at it at the moment. But stocks like this. You know, with a decent yield and a fairly conservative stocks, um, fall into that play for people that that want a good income return and a bit of growth there as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when you think of things like almonds and macadamias, you have to have the tree planted for so long before it starts to produce. So, you know, you're not going to abandon your landlord in a hurry. Yep,
0: absolutely. All right. Uh, So, thank you for that suggestion, Peter. Really good analysis from both Owen and Julia there. Uh, Julia Fay wants a view on cash converters, the, uh, what do you call them, uh, well they're payday a retailer, lenders. <laughs> uh, retailer yeah. payday lenders, uh, if, if you're on Strife and you want quick money they've got it available for you and if you want to flog anything to them.
1: Yeah I'd be staying well away, highly illiquid stock if we have a look at yeah. yesterday only $31,000 worth of stock was traded the wow. whole day so yeah. Um, if you're trying to get in or out of this stock it's just too hard and look it's been a roller coaster ride for uh, cash converters i think um, the last ceo was in there for a year before he left in february i think it was this year so um you know not a lot of stability there and i'd probably stay away the only reason you'd be going into this is a high risk turnaround play but we know that the regulatory spotlight is really on these payday lenders
0: I i was going to say regulators uh have really had a focus on um their funding models and interest rate models and the whole thing had yeah the you've, you've got the
1: regulators the, the class actions that's yes. hit this stock the turnover in yeah. terms of executive management it's illiquid yeah. not yeah. one that i touched uh, owen
2: um when you consider that four percent at most of companies on the stock exchange produce all of the excess return Um, You've got to ask yourself, why are you buying anything? And for me, cash converters would be more of a value play. So a short term, maybe there's some sort of, you know, uptick from stores reopening, them getting more inventory in the door to then sell. Um, Another thing you can do with a business like this with two very distinct business units is you can take them as almost two different businesses that just happen to be within one. And the way I look at it, you've got the, 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 the um, the payday lending business. You know, people walk into the store or get a loan online and you've got, Effectively, a marketplace where they buy something and then sell it again. Let's just consider who they're up against in both of those businesses. So, in you know, um, payday lending now we've seen this huge disruption from um, the buy now pay later sector. Things like afterpay. We've seen government stimulus come in. These things are just muddying the water and the outlook for that uh, unit. And that's probably the that's the, the crown jewel in this business, if I could describe it that way. But then on the other side, we've got this buying and selling of goods where, as you can imagine, they just create a margin. Um, there is a franchise business in there, too. But if you just think about that that buying and selling, who is it up against? And for me, it's up against Facebook Marketplace, you know, three billion users. Yeah. It's up against Gumtree, which is free to sell. So, you know, yes, there is a certain need here for a certain demographic. But for a sustainable grower, you, I, I couldn't see that as a viable investment option, maybe yeah. as a turnaround, maybe something like that. Um, you know, this is the first time in years I would probably take even take a look at Cash Converters, but still not interested. Yep.
0: Okay. All right, Faye, thanks for the suggestion, you've been warned. Um, Will, uh, Owen wants a view on iCollege. This is a, um, a training business, education and training solutions business, um, they currently uh, help uh, train for international student recruitment, getting into the universities here bit like an IDP, isn't it, uh, uh, but the universities don't own this one, Um, had a a pretty good first quarter um, result um, because it it shows that the company has pivoted a bit, it's been a bit nimble in terms of uh, shifting its focus, Um, it's done live streaming of, of students and kids and code club and had boot camps. and. So it's had to pivot with no international students coming into Australia. Uh, what do you think of iCollege? Still making a buck, making a profit?
2: Yeah, and it's, it, thanks to that nimbleness, it's actually been able to produce pretty good results recently. I think a lot better than what yeah. many investors would have expected. Uh, I think that the thing to keep in mind here, Koshi, is that it's still, it's still got a pretty strong international business and arm. Um, there's still students locally, you know, here in Australia that are international students that are still taking courses. We've got people from overseas still studying. Um, the business has just you know, acquired a business or a majority of a business in India that does um, coding and, and programming and that type of thing, which is obviously another kind of sector that really is in demand for, there's a real need for workers both here in Australia, but also globally. Um, the business has been really flexible in being able to adjust the student mix. So in the recent, just in recent months, it's gone from about 70, 30 um, you know, international to local to 50, 50. Which is a really good, um, I guess, shift in the mix and um, it's, it's a really good way to, for the business to be able to diversify that reliance on its international arm. Um, lots of well, decent level of insider ownership, which is a thing that I like to see in smaller companies like this. The one thing I probably would point out is that there are competitors on the ASX. And if we're talking a structural business that wants to grow for five years, we have to determine how that business is going to sustain wide profit margins. And a business like this, I don't think it has that ability over that three to five year time horizon. And understandably, that's a very you know, long time away. I just don't think it has that because I think the other learning, I guess, um, tools that are available in just the ecosystem more broadly um, are, are developing faster than, than this business might be able to. So um, companies that you might want to look at, um, we have Cluey, the IPO. We have uh, Kit McGraw Learning, we have IDP Education. If I was before I was going to invest in this business, I'd want to put them side by side, understand what is the essence of this business. Why do parents or why do people that are, you know, adult age choose this over the other options? And I can't yep. really determine that now, so it's probably a no for me for now. Okay.
0: Julian.
1: Uh,
2: Look, the first quarter numbers were good, but
1: I think they're distorted because they include a job keeper. So when you're running a business and you're virtually not paying salaries for the first quarter, things are going to look good, even though there's not a huge amount of growth coming through. And I think that was the case. There is a reopening trade. So I guess if you are on a student visa here, you need to be in a course to be able to get that visa. So as borders reopen, you'll naturally get a bit of growth coming through in this area. But too highly illiquid, $135,000 worth of stock, which was traded uh, yesterday. So hugely illiquid. I don't think you can rely on the last quarter revenue as an indication of what things are going to look like. However, in the short to medium term, you'll get an uplift from borders reopening. um, And then it's just a matter of competition because I guess if you are a student who wants to stay here in Australia, cost is a a factor that comes into it um, and you have to be enrolled somewhere.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. And. uh owen mentioned cluey which is one of the the hottest ipos on the market at the moment we we actually had discussed that on the call yesterday with conrad song from macro and chris mcdonald from morgan's who love the business the founders are terrific they built a good business they know how to exit a business at a profit but they just said it is so hot and um, wait for the steam to come out of the Uh, the cluey market because it will just be overvalued uh, when at least leave it a couple of months when all the traders are out of it and then get in and it should be a good business in the future. Would you agree, Joy? Yeah,
1: I mean, there are so many businesses that I absolutely love. I just wouldn't pay the price uh, for that business.
0: And that's what's happening with Chloe at the moment. And yeah, conversely, sorry. there's
1: a lot of companies yep. I hate, but make a lot of good money from. Because right. just because a company is good or bad doesn't mean that it's not going to be a profitable investment. Yeah. It just means that you know you want good news to come through to increase the business value. Yep.
0: Alan, you had a, a view on Chloe
2: Yeah, there is actually an alternative to that, and this is a business I own. So for full disclosure, it's called Kit McGrath Education. It's been around for a very long time. Um, it's been a bit of a sleeper for most people. But what is interesting is that oftentimes in financial markets when a company like Chloe comes to the market everyone looks around and says what else is out there and that's where a business that trades on a lower multiple that might not be experiencing that raw growth can actually get a re-rating so that might be one for for viewers attention that's interesting yeah really good point
0: let's recap the uh the final five stocks ava risk um a yes from both owen and julia it's already in the calls portfolio so it stays there uh, pointera uh, a no from julia but basically because of valuation a no from owen as well on that basis as well but if the share price gets around under 30 cents then worth a look uh, rural funds group uh, a yes from julia uh, a hold from owen if you want a good yield stock and that's what you want from your portfolio, then this is one to have a look at. Cash Converters are no, and iCollege are no as well. Julia Lee from Berman Invest, great to see you as usual. You. And Owen Rascovich, Raskov, I'll get it out, sorry Alan from uh, Rask Australia.
2: Um, welcome to the call, did you enjoy it? That's great fun, I always love talking stocks and particularly when there's two knowledgeable, knowledgeable people on the other end, it makes my life a lot easier oh
0: yeah did well, a fantastic I'm not, job not, not the one with the knowledge you two are so uh, we'll certainly have you back uh, look forward to catching you. up in the future uh, that's our show for today if you've got any stocks you want us to look at email through the call at osbiz.com.au or head through to twitter the call's portfolio um osbiz.co forward slash portfolio if you want to catch up with everything that's been happening in the day in business and markets It'll be in your inbox at 5.30 p.m. That's the COB newsletter. Uh, Scuddy and Nadine um, wrap it all up every day for you. Subscribe there at osbizco slash join. And the Startup Daily Show, which looks at all companies sinking capital and in that startup scale-up space. Uh, Chief Executive Simon Beats, who has founded Australia's Newest Neo Bank, Alex uh has launched its first consumer product and simon will explain that along with a whole bunch of other startup founders between two and three pm this afternoon on the startup daily show so a lot happening here on ausbiz for the rest of the afternoon you don't want to miss a thing we'll be back straight after the break